the community. Inspire Radio. My name's Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. It was so stressful trying to find tiles and bathroom stuff for my renovations. I'm sick of going from shop to shop. It's just so confusing and expensive. You should go to Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham. They have everything you need. Tiles, toilets, vanities, showers, tapware and more. All under one roof with ranges to suit every budget. See the team at Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham today and let's get started. Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms, 3 to 9 Enterprise Way in Rockingham. Hey Gabby, did you know that you could win a new car at Anytime Fitness Divers? You mean I get to keep fit and I could win a car? Yep. All you need to do is join Anytime Fitness Divers in October or November 2020 and you'll receive an entry to win a new Kia Picanto thanks to Morley Kia. That's so amazing! Plus, receive an extra entry for every friend you refer who joins before November 30, even if you're an existing member. Wow, there's so many chances to win! So get down to Anytime Fitness Divers for your chance to win a new Kia Picanto. Anytime Fitness Divers. It's more than just a gym the community inspire radio my name is mark mcgowan and you are listening to inspire radio good morning listeners 809 here on inspire radio <clears throat> that was <clears throat> pardon me uh that was sweet child of mine guns and roses uh like i said earlier this morning i'm just trying to rock your world this sunday morning so a bit of rock so we had sweet child of mine by guns and roses and before that we had glory days by Bruce Springsteen, 8.09 this morning. Uh, quick check of the weather. Again, looking outside, uh, just doing the eye test, I guess. We'll call it that. Um, bright blue skies, sunny day, looking amazing. On the way to 25 degrees here in Rockingham today, 16.6 at the moment. So slowly working its way up. So 25 is going to be a gorgeous day. So uh, let's not waste it inside. Let's get outside, have a bit of a walk. Um, there's plenty to do out and about. I know yesterday I took the dog out for a walk on the uh, Rockingham foreshore, um, just planning for a, just a late afternoon stroll, only to find that there was a, a Christmas um, event on. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, so up on stage, it looked like there were local primary schools singing away, doing their Christmas carols and all sorts of things. And obviously mums and dads there phones up videoing and taking photos and all that sort of stuff and food trucks all over the place and it's just it's a great place to be i mean obviously um every part of um perth and and the surrounds have got their own great spots but um the foreshore on a on a lovely day is as good as it gets i think and the the you know the the park parkland across there people just set the picnic up and um have a bit of fun like i said food trucks are there and people kids are just running around having a ball um and then when the weather gets a little bit warmer which it will this week hopefully um people actually get out on the beach and jump in the sea mind you i uh there were enough people that were out in the water i don't know how um personally it's just not warm enough to get in for me but um maybe i'm a little bit of a uh little bit of a wuss um so 8 11 here at inspire radio um we've got just remembering we've got coming up uh, our chat with Denver DeCruz. Um, he's the general manager of Inclusion Solutions, amongst other things. He's got a great uh, sporting story as well as um, his work that he's doing, outstanding work they're doing in the community through his association with Inclusion Solutions. So we'll have a chat with Denver after nine and just before we had a, 
a good old cricket chat with friend of the show, Steve Broberg. Um, we spoke all things cricket. He's head coach of Prospect Cricket Club over there playing Saka Premier Cricket. And um, as we all know, South Australia had a little a little blip, a little challenge along the, the way um, dealing with COVID. So um, they went into lockdown. Um, rightly or wrongly, look, everyone's going to have their own opinion. Um, we won't go into that. We're not a, a political show. We're a sports show. So we, we'll just leave that where it is. But but essentially what that did, it affected um, sport, community sport. And um, they, they they were in the middle of a game and they literally had to just stop. And um, they're, they're picking up the pieces and starting all over again. And there are, there are numerous challenges with um, coaching a team. Um, you've got, uh, as he mentioned, he's got about 60-odd players that turn up to training every week. So uh, for those that don't understand the way a premier cricket club is set up, um, they've got four teams, um, of which are going to use 11 players on any any given day in a match or maybe 12. Um, so that means if you've got 60-odd turning up to training, there's a, there's a core group of players that you're um, unfortunately delivering the news that they're not playing this week and they're playing um, back in their community club. So that's that's that. That's always a difficult one. I remember doing that myself when I was head coach of a, a sub-district club. And secondly, you've got, well, 60-odd players. You've got, they've all got their own agenda. They've all got their own deliver, uh, development agendas that they want to um, improve on, and you've got to find a way to facilitate that. And just to add just a little bit more difficulty to the situation, we're all going through um, in a, a pandemic, and COVID and look, we've been very, very fortunate over here in WA and we've said that numerous times and we'll continue saying it because it's the truth. Um, but they, they got hit with a, um, a little, you know, little speed hump along the way and look, people deal with it in their own different ways. So you're, you're trying to deal with that as well. So it gets a little bit difficult when that, that big melting pot gets a little bit difficult to, to handle. So uh, kudos to, to Steve and all the other coaches that are out there doing their thing, dealing with what they've got to deal with. Um, look, just remember, uh, we'll bring back Coach's Corner in the next few weeks. Um, Coach's Corner, I think, is a, a really good part of the show where we can chat all things uh, coaching. And if anyone's got any sort of um, questions they'd like answered in regards to coaching, so you're out there and you're, you know, you're a mum or a dad and you're, you're coaching your, under, your son or daughter's under-12s, cricket team, basketball team, netball team, whatever, um, and you, you've got some uh, questions you'd like answered, please feel free to contact the show. Now, you can either contact us on our own personal um, email, pay, email page, email account. We'll call it an account, eh? Um, email account, talkingsport at inspireradio.org.au. That's talkingsport at inspireradio.org.au. If you want to talk live on the show, well, you can. That's live and inspireradio.org.au, or you can simply go to um, the Facebook page, which is Talking Sport with Orazio. Um, just t- type that into the search on, on your Facebook page. You'll find the page, and you can drop me a line there as well. Either way, I'll get back to you, and um, we can maybe put a show together. Alternatively, any coaches out there, any coaches out there who would like to come on on the show and um, have a uh, you know, experience a bit of radio themselves and, and get on the air and, and we, we can talk uh, coaching live, please feel free to contact me. As I just said, talking sport at inspireradio.org.au or through the Facebook page and um, we might be able to hook up and, geez, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Um, 
We'll uh, make an arrangement. We'll go with that. We'll make a, a business arrangement. And um, we'll get you live in the studio and we can talk about coaching and um, we'll see where we can go with that. Anyone can be part of the show at any stage. And not only this show, but any of the other numerous shows, which we'll chat through a little bit later on. Okay, 8.16 here on Inspire Radio, and it's time to uh, get some ads out of the way here from our fantastic sponsors, as well as another couple of songs. I can't breathe. I have migraines, numbness, weight loss. I live with it every day. The illness that I'm suffering from is an anxiety disorder, and it deserves to be treated like any other illness. But it's not. For more information, visit passionatelives.com.au or call 046 1416. Proud sponsors of Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. United Cinemas Rockingham Outdoor Cinema is now open. Fun for everyone. So bring the family along and enjoy a warm night under the stars. Tickets are just $8 each for grass seating or $12 for our reclining deck chairs. For session times, please visit unitedcinemas.com.au. My name's Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. It was so stressful trying to find tiles and bathroom stuff for my renovations. I'm sick of going from shop to shop. It's just so confusing expensive. You should go to Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham. They have everything you need. Tiles, toilets, vanities, showers, tapware and more. All under one roof with ranges to suit every budget. See the team at Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham today and let's get started. Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms, 3 to 9 Enterprise Way in Rockingham. For the community, Inspire Radio. 826 here on Inspire Radio. You're on Talking Sport with Orazio, and we're having lots and lots of fun, aren't we? Um, quick weather check, quick weather update. 16.8 degrees currently outside here in Rockingham on the way to a sunny 25. And let's be honest, it's already gorgeous and sunny outside. So after you finish listening to my show, um, head out and about and enjoy uh, the day that it is and enjoy your weekend. Um, plenty of other sport happening along the way. We can go to some overnight EPL or English Premier League action. Um, we saw plenty of games happening. And um, there, look, there's a lot of movement that's happening right now in the EPL with um, teams starting to really stamp their authority. And I guess they're... Um, they're just starting to build up a bit of momentum. Um, what what we failed to, I don't know if we fail, but I think people forget sometimes that they've, they've had their challenges too. And I know these guys live um, in a different world. Um, they're, they're, they're earning, you know, mega mega millions and, and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, they've, they've been affected by um, the, the pandemic and it's affected things like the way they train. Um, their previous season ran so late past the end of their they're, um, well, the normal time that it that it finish, and then they didn't have much of a break, and then they got back into it, and so they haven't had much preseason, they haven't had much training, and and they've had their limitations with how many they can have training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they're starting to build momentum now with more and more games, and they're the top teams are playing in Europe during the week and all that sort of stuff. So you're starting to see. Um, everything's starting to even out and you're starting to work out, okay, who's who in the zoo this year. And at the moment, it is normally the top four. So we, we talk about your your Chelsea's, your Man City's, 
your Liverpool's, your Man United's, they're, they're all there and thereabouts. But anyway, let's talk about some of the results rather than my um, humble opinion. Overnight, we had Burnley v Everton. They played at a 1-1 draw. Um, so uh, Everton would be a little bit disappointed with that. Burnley are really struggling this year. They are down there, there or thereabouts. Uh, they're, they're second from bottom. Um, so they're de- definitely in the relegation zone. And um, for Everton to go away with just a draw, they'd be disappointed there. They would have expected to go away with a win because Everton are one of those clubs that are always fighting for Europa League positions and, and to finish in the top sort of six would be about where they, they sort of expect to, to finish as a club. And uh, to not be able to get over Burnley, that'd be points they've missed out on definitely. Man City, two nil winners over Fulham. Um, Man City have had a very up and down sort of start to the season, but they're starting to hit their straps. They've had a couple of big wins lately and another 2 nil win there. Um, although it's overnight, this will be earlier in the morning because they're, they're considering as a Sunday match here. West Ham v my mighty Manchester United. And I know... We went down early, 1-0 down at halftime, only for a few substitutions to be made and Man United to storm home to win 3-1. Goals from Pogba. Um, let's just have a quick look here. Goals from Paul Pogba in the 65th minute. Mason Greenwood, who could be anything if he can just get his head right and um, not get too caught up in being a football superstar and just be the player that he can be. He could be one of the... Oh, I don't want to say all-time great, but he, he's what he shows is is phenomenal. And Marcus Rashford, who is the older version of Mark Mason Greenwood in a roundabout way, he scored as well. So, um, Pog, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a great win there. I know Fernandez come on at halftime and turned the game around. Um, he's arguably the best player in the competition at the moment, and I'm very pleased that we've got him. Um Alex Telez, who's really uh, – he, he was one of the, the preseason signings. Not much has been said about him, really. Um, but every time he plays, we tend to do very, very well. So well done to Man United for getting over the line there, 3-1. In other games, Chelsea have just continued on their merry way, 3-1 winners over Leeds United. And upcoming games we have for, to round out the um, – this round of games in the Premier League, we have West Bromwich Albion versus Crystal Palace. I reckon this will be a real cracker. This might be worth watching for the neutrals. Um, you'll have two teams that are desperate to win um, to, to sort of keep the momentum in their season going. West Brom just starting to pick up the pace a little bit after a bit of a slow start. And Crystal Palace, who started very well, are just hitting a few road bumps along the, along the way. And I guess that comes from the smaller clubs. Um, their squads just aren't as big, and once injuries start to hit, it gets a little bit difficult. Sheffield United v Leicester should be another good game, although you'd expect Leicester to get over the line there. We have the London Derby, or London Derby, if you want to call it. Derby, Derby, depending on what side of the country you're on. Tottenham v Arsenal. These two teams absolutely hate each other. This should be an absolute cracker of a game. So Tottenham v Arsenal, that'll be early Monday morning our time. And then we have uh, Liverpool v Wolves. That could be a tough one for Liverpool. Wolves are a good side. Um, Liverpool can't. That, that, that That's probably got draw written all over it, I reckon. And to round out the uh, the round, we have the uh, the Battle of the South. We have Brighton v Southampton. What's the table looking like? Well, I can tell you right now. Um, although it's a little bit of an imbalance because there's, games that are, there's teams that have got games in hand. 
Um, but Chelsea are top of the table on 22 points after 11 games. And they've got a very, very good goal difference of uh, plus 14. Spurs are second. Uh, they're still yet to play. And if they win, they could go back on top. Um, if they don't, Liverpool might take their spot. So Liverpool could go on top. And United have moved into the top four um, for the first time. Well, maybe not be the first time this season. But they're, they're starting to, to, to pick up some of the games in the Premier League. And they're in the top four. Still got a game in hand to Chelsea, so um, they could push into the top two, really, if they win that game in hand. We have Man City um, storming back up as well. They're in fourth, Leicester in, sorry, in fifth. Having played 10, they're on 18 points, as are Leicester, and they're only separated by goal difference, one goal. West Ham on 17, the Hammers, they, they would have been disappointed losing after taking a 1-0 um, lead into halftime to, to then lose... 3-3-1, three, three, um, so they've slid down a spot, but they're in 7th, Southampton in 8th, and they could move up the table. They could be into the top four, really, with a win against Brighton. And they're having a really good season, aren't they, Southampton? And as I mentioned, Everton would be disappointed not to have taken the points against Burnley, and they're in ninth. So the table's starting to sort itself out, although I wouldn't have expected Arsenal to be in 14th. They should be in the top six. They're, they're too big a club to be down there. So we'll see how that sort of goes along. We also have had some Champions League football during the week, and, and that's starting to get really, really tense with teams needing to win to get through to the next stage, including Man United, who got a bit of a thumping during the week at Old Trafford to uh, Paris Saint-Germain or PSG. Um, Neymar, the man who's on $8 squillion a week, he, he put, on a, put on a clinic, put on a show, and just tore United apart, and they they won quite convincing. I think it was three one in the end too. Um, so United need to beat Leipzig. Leipzig, yep. <laughs> um, their German Bundesliga team um, to get through to the next stage. And look, it's quite an important thing for a club like Manchester United to really start to build some sort of momentum and start to establish themselves as one of the bigger clubs in Europe once again, and start to get some results on the board. I, I can't see United winning the league this year, nor can I see them winning. Well, they've probably got more of a chance in the Champions League than they do winning the league. Um, it's just one of those things, one of the quirks of playing soccer in Europe. You can not necessarily do too well in your league, but if you happen to have qualified for the Champions League or one of the European Cups from your season's uh, performances the year before, um, you can have a successful season on one hand and an unsuccessful season on the other. So you've got to keep doing well in your club football in order to uh, have the opportunity to continue in European football moving forward. But at the same time, it gets really, really hard. And that's where the bigger clubs tend to do well because they've got squads that are big enough to deal with the workload, etc. A, a team like Chelsea, they they've probably got the biggest squad going around. And, and for a while now, with the backing of uh, Roman Abramovich, they've been able to literally have, you know, world-class players form a second team, let alone a first team. So nearly in every spot, they've got another world-class player to fill, fill in the spot. So they, they can do their squad rotation and, and manage their players' workloads and deal with injuries and all that sort of stuff. And they've got, a, I like using the word, I'll use it again. They've got a plethora of players that are actually on loan at other clubs as well. So they... um. They really take the mick out of professional sport where basically they make sure that no one else can buy these players. So they get them on their books and they sign them up. And then to keep them happy and to keep them developing, they loan them out to other clubs. They've got a loan system in soccer for those people that don't understand. So um, a club basically says, look, we, we'd like to have this player. We understand he's yours, but 
he's not getting much game time at your place, but we'd like to use him in ours because we feel that we've got a spot for him. So they go on loan. So essentially, the, the, the club that takes this person on loan takes over the wage bill and it clears the books for that club, but it, but they have the they the original home club still have ownership on the player. Okay, I know, I know there's a lot of moral sort of things that we can go into there, but we'll we'll leave it at that. But that's the system as it is. So the Premier League starting to heat up as we speak, and the beauty of it is we for for the football fans out there coming over the Christmas break, you get that real glut of games where literally you've got game after game after game over that. Christmas, New Year period, and this is where the table really starts to sort itself out and squad depth gets really tested because players are playing a game here and a game there one day after another. Well, not necessarily day after day, but they, they might have a one-day break or two-day break between games and they play another one. And um, it's a very unique part of the English Premier League, but it's also an exciting part. So we look forward to that. There's plenty of other sport happening as we speak. I know for football fan or AFL fans, we've got a little bit of a chat going around, in particular with the upcoming draft. So there's a bit of a um, bit of a smoky that's going into the draft, and, and it's more along the, uh, the 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 rookie drafts, and that's some of the players that are putting their hand up because um, they want to have another crack at, at, at getting back into the system. And one of those is former Collingwood player Tyson Goldsack, who retired at the end of last season. It was just, yeah, he was at the end of a contract, wasn't going to get another one. Been a very, very loyal servant to Collingwood, did some great things. But he retired, and I think he had he had plans to actually play with Port Adelaide in the Sandful, or Port Powers uh, Reserves team that play in the Sandful, the South Australian Football League. But unfortunately, COVID come along, and, and that put, you know, that didn't work out. But he stayed over there, and I think Port Power, uh, very keen to have, Tyson Goldsack on their books as a rookie. So he's nominated for the rookie draft and look out for Tyson Goldsack to probably make a comeback this year. I dare say it'll be a squad top-up. So you've got an experienced player who will be in and amongst a very young team because Port Power have got a very young squad. So he'll be there to sort of provide some support and experience and if required, come come on board to play. So um, look, good luck to Tyson. Um, very loyal servant of Collingwood Football Club. Was a fan favourite. And there'll be no, yeah, he's just, a, he's a professional plying his trade and trying to get a job. And that's, that's all good. And I think it's good to see, although it is a little bit weird that that, uh, the rookie draft is used for that, but it's one of the quirks of the game, no doubt. Um, also good luck to Paddy McCartan, who, um, former number one draft pick, who's had some real, real bad issues with um, concussion. He's, he's really struggled along. Um, hasn't been able to really put any sort of consistency into his game with his body. He's found it really, really hard to to deal with the, the concussion issues, and he's effectively hasn't played for a couple of years. So I, I believe he's putting his name into the um, the rookie draft as well. So Sydney, who also have his younger brother, Tom, who plays at, at the Sydney Sons, Tom McCartan. So it seems that Sydney Suns may pick up Paddy McCartan in the rookie draft. And look, and if they do, good luck to him. And let's just hope and, and pray that um, it all goes well for him because um, he just hasn't had a run and he's been very, very unlucky. And the quirkiest one would be um, former Gold Coast and Carlton Tall player Daniel Gorringe. Now, he's probably been more famous recently for being on Big Brother and he's appeared in a few ads and he's... Um, He's even done a little bit on online on, on Twitter. He's actually quite a quite a funny man. Doesn't take himself too seriously, 
But he seems to have put himself forward and nominated for the draft. It'll be interesting to see if that happens or anything happens there. Um, he's a tall. He has AFL experience. Um, a club, again, might take him on just as, as uh, a bit of backup. And uh, he may have had a little bit of a chat with some clubs because I can't imagine he'd be going through this if there wasn't any chance. It doesn't. There's no actual guarantee. Like a club might say, look, put your name in and, you know, we might – it depends on how things happen, um, and you take a chance. If you're not in it, you can't you can't win it. So good luck to Daniel Gray, and good luck to everyone that's in the draft. Let's hope the dreams come true, and you, and you get picked up by by a club. What else have we had happening out there? We've had a little bit of um, we've had some rugby action overnight in the Tri Nations. So we'll just get that up in front of us here. We had Australia v Argentina overnight. Now for those that Look, it's made a bit of, no- bit of noise, and it's good noise. I haven't heard it before, but for the first time, I believe, at a, at a major sporting event, Australia had our, our national anthem sung in both English and the Eora language, which is um, one of the indigenous languages of our, our great nation. And um, a singer got up there, and um, she beautifully sung both both versions of our national anthem. So it was basically Advanced Australia Fair sung in the Eora language. And what was, I guess, even more amazing was the fact that most of the Australian squad were singing along in that um, Indigenous language as well, which is a great show of respect. So it obviously shows that they took the time out to learn how to sing the song in that Indigenous language and they respected it enough to, to get out there and sing it. Uh, the players all wore a, um, an Indigenous top, so it was an Indigenous round for the Tri-Nations. So fantastic. Yeah, and, and you know, let's let's hear more of it. Really, really good stuff. It was a great rendition of spine-tingling sort of stuff. And to see some of the players, you know, singing with real passion, it sort of shows that, you know, hey, with reconciliation and, and you know, making a difference and closing the gap and, and all those sort of things that are happening out there in the world, there are a lot of lot of us and a lot of people that are that are serious about it and want to make a difference um, in any any way that we can. Look, that was great to see. Uh, in regards to the result, it was a draw. <laughs> so um, Australia v Argentina was a fifteen all draw between the sides, and that's the second time in two Tri Nations tests where the games are finished in a in a draw because uh, the last Australian game they played a draw as well. So. Look, it's it's something that uh, you'd you'd, you'd want to think that the Wallabies can uh, start to pull their game together and start to win games, especially against sides like um, Argentina, who are no doubt they're they're building and they're they're becoming a much more formidable uh, opponent. But at home, you would be expecting Australia to to win that game. So it's probably one they've they've let go. But in saying that, uh, well done to the Argentinians. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a draw is better than a loss, but still. Not very, very sure. Not not sure that they'd be uh, too pleased in the review that they uh, they they drew or yeah tied that game. I'm not sure. Is it called a draw or a tie in rugby? I'm not sure. Feel free to uh, get involved and let me know. Um, what other sort of things have we got happening? There's a lot, lot of sport happening. Um, even though it's getting to that point in the season where um, 
it's coming up to Christmas and some sports start to quieten down a little bit, but there is there is still a lot happening. A bit of other news um, in Tom Banton. Now, Tom Banton is a, an English cricketer who had some ties with South Perth Cricket Club in the Wacker competition. He he is then taken the world by storm. He didn't have the greatest season of all time, to be fair, when he played for South Perth, but went back to England, um, took took his learnings, I guess, and and had an outstanding season in English domestic cricket, which then meant he got picked for England and took to that like a duck to water in regards to his white ball cricket and did some great things. Come back, the big ba- um, the Brisbane Heat picked him up in the Big Bash and he had a really, really good season last year and he was uh, due to come back this year. But he's been um, caught up in bubble life, I guess, uh, with um, COVID restrictions. So he, he toured with England recently and he's been locked up in a bubble, not being able to really do too much. And for him to move into another one here in Australia after quarantining and all that sort of stuff, he just wasn't in the right headspace for that. So he's withdrawn from the league and um, look, best wishes to Tom. Totally understand that. And that's something that a lot of um, the Australian players are dealing with at the moment. I know a couple personally, and they've gone from uh, the bubble life of um, – and Tom would have been part of this as well, I believe, uh, with the IPL. So they had bubble life over there in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or both or wherever they were, somewhere in the Middle East, and only to come back to Australia or go to where Tom went with England, uh, South Africa, live in a bubble again, you know, to be away from home for so long, to have restricted movements, you know, be up for COVID tests every other day and and things like that. Totally understand how that can affect players and um you know, even the, the fact that they can't train the way they want to train and all sorts of things. I can imagine it must be really, really difficult for, for some of the athletes that are involved in any sport, really, that are um, going through the the differences that, that COVID sort of put up. So totally understand. And look, we wish Tom all the best. Okay, let's have a quick check of the weather yet again. Oh, it's creeping up. It's up to 17.4 here in Rockingham on the way up to 25. It is 8.47 here. Let's go to a couple of songs. Let me entertain you with Robbie Williams. My name's Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. Hey Gabby, did you know that you could win a new car at Anytime Fitness Divers? You mean I get to keep fit and I could win a car? Yep. All you need to do is join Anytime Fitness Belt Divers in October or November 2020 and you'll receive an entry to win a new Kia Picanto thanks to Morley Kia. That's so amazing! Plus, receive an extra entry for every friend you refer who joins before November 30, even if you're an existing member. Wow, there's so many chances to win! So get down to Anytime Fitness Belt Divers for your chance to win a new Kia Picanto. Anytime Fitness Belt Divers. It's more than just a gym. Can you spot the person who isn't safe? Not all hazards are physical. Some are harder to spot. But if you keep an eye out, you can help. We keep our bodies safe at work. Let's keep our minds safe too. Because safety is everything. For more information, visit passionatelives.com.au or call 046 1416. Proud sponsors of Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. 
my name is Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. And that you are at 8.56 here on Inspire Radio. You're on Talking Sport with Orazio here on a Sunday morning as I am every morning between, sorry, every Sunday morning, not every morning, every Sunday morning between 7am and 10am. So if you want to get your story out here, please feel free to contact me, Sport at inspireradio.org.au or jump on the Facebook page, Talking Sport with Orazio, and leave a message there. Okie dokie, we're on to the next part of the show, next segment where I get to talk to an amazing guest, and our next guest is Denver De Cruz. Now, Denver is the general manager of local not-for-profit organisation, Inclusion Solutions. Um, Denver was uh, born and raised in southern India of Portuguese descent, and then he moved out to Australia at the age of 10. Went through uni, uh, worked in the community sector in Canberra, in Sydney, the UK, in Ireland and in Perth over the last couple of decades. And uh, we're very fortunate to have a chat to Denver now. Good morning, Denver. Morning, Aratia, and good morning, listeners. <laughs> uh, thanks for um, agreeing to come on um, on the show this morning. So, that, look, that's, that's a pretty uh, diverse sort of background there. Coming out at the age of 10, how... Can you remember what that felt like coming out to Australia? Yeah, it was a really interesting journey up here. Um, I reflect on it probably more so now than um, in my current role and, and in the work that we do um, perhaps than I did in my teens. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly coming over from a country like India um, at that point in time, especially in the early 90s, um, was a really interesting experience. I think um, life over here was incredibly different to the life we lived over in India. Yep. Um, and, you know, my parents obviously thought there'd be a better future here for uh, my, my older sister and myself. And um, it's been a, it, it was really interesting. And I think probably uh, the more I look back on it, the more I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have grown up in a different culture and a different place um, and, and with some really um, you know, fundamental differences in, in how societies are um, structured. So um, I'm really grateful to have experienced both. I love Australia. I think of Australia as my home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the best country on earth. However, <laughs> I'm also really proud of uh, my heritage and, and where I come from as well. Okay. So what what do you remember of that time? Like, you know, you, when, you, when you're 10, there's so many things going through your head and um, all sorts of things. And I guess – um, the the culture shock would have been from you know from from growing up in in um, you know the the town or the, where you grew up in southern India to sort of uh, land in where did you land first? Um, in Canberra actually. So uh, our first house was in a little um, in a Canberra suburb called Reed, and um, yeah, very um, very structured, very sterile, very safe. <laughs> um, all things that we didn't really know. That's <laughs> not surely up. not describing Canberra there, Denver. Come on. <laughs> No, look, I love Canberra as well, so it's not meant to be a, um, a, a detractor. But um, it is—it's a very—it's a lovely, sub, um, lovely um, city, Canberra. Yeah. Um, but it is very much a—you um, know—it's it's very safe, and, and um, you know, you know what you get, I guess. And it's quiet, and I think that's probably the big thing coming from a place like India. <laughs> is um, you know, you hear horns and you hear cows and dogs and goats and yep. donkeys and people everywhere you go all the time. Yep. Um, and I think when you come to Canberra and all you can hear is you know, a couple of birds and the odd car every 20 minutes or so, it's a really <laughs> different um, different experience. But um, interesting nonetheless. And I think um, going back to your question there, I think the, probably the biggest thing that I found um, as a kid that I remember was this real struggle to try and fit in yep. um, and to try and um, understand the cultural norms and understand... I guess how um, what was culturally valued um, in in hindsight. When you look back on it, you think, yeah. I, and I remember telling 
um, someone at work a story about a, set, a pair of $2 shoes. Um, and when we came over, you know, as, a, as many migrant families are, um, you don't have a whole heap of money and yeah. you're trying to set yourselves up and that sort of thing. Um, and I remember a lot of the uh, the kids that um, had our school typically, um, you know, inner suburbs in Canberra and that sort of thing, typically were pretty well off. Um, yeah. And um, I remember Dad taking me down to the local Salvation Army store um, and I remember purchasing or asking him, to, to purchase these um, $2 pair of Pumas that had holes in it. But it was a, a really um, a really great memory that I have now, actually, because I, I look back on that and I think, you know, I, I wish I actually kept those shoes because of what they meant to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a, a really interesting curve. And I think from um, probably experience what many migrant families do, which is that notion of really struggling and trying to fit in and doing what you can to... Um, yeah, to make friends and and not stand out from the rest, I guess. You know, yeah. all our the clothes we came over with, the uh, the food we eat, all of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff it originally was very different. Yep. Um, so it's it's a journey of assimilation, I guess. Yep. I, I can I can sort of um understand that to to a certain degree with personal experience myself. Although I, I grew up in Australia and was born in Australia, but. Um, as you probably worked out with my name, Denver. I've, uh, <laughs> um, my, my family, our migrant family, they came out, um, you know, before I was born. Yeah. But but I, I had to deal with similar sort of things. So um, like when I started primary school, I couldn't speak English. Um, my parents sort of forgot that I might need to actually know English. So all I knew was Italian. Um, so I'd sit, yeah, in, right. I'd sit in class uh, and supposedly my teacher thought I was the best behaved kid of all time. It's only because I couldn't speak or understand English. <laughs> um, and obviously the, the, the food that we ate was different um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So although I didn't, you know, I didn't come from another country necessarily, but um, I, I can sort of, um, you know, feel the, the sort of things that you would have gone through as well and sort of trying to fit in as well. So I, I, I can sort of understand and appreciate that and I know personally, um, sport was a big part for me to sort of fit in, and I'm presuming sport played a big role in your life as well to sort of assimilate to Australian society. Yeah, without any doubt, I think sport is um, probably the single most powerful vehicle um, in my life in terms of um, not just assimilation, but also um, development for me as a person, um, mm-hmm. and you know, probably my family and that sort of thing. It's just opened up a lot of doors. Um, it's allowed me to um, create some friendships and, and some of my best, best friends the world over are um, people that I've met through cricket. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's uh, that's something that I'm really passionate about. So the role that I'm in now um, in, at Inclusion Solutions is actually exactly um, allows me to ensure that we can um, offer that to other people as well. We can work with clubs and community groups and local governments to make sure that all clubs are um, inclusive of not just migrant families and, and people from... Um, those backgrounds, but other people like people yep. with disability, people from Aboriginal backgrounds, that sort of thing, yep. that may not be afforded the opportunity initially. Um, you know, they may be perceived as someone slightly different or, mm-hmm. or whatever, whereas the community might not um, know how to integrate with them or know how to have a conversation with them or know how to, um, you know, take their first reaction as well. Yep. Um, so it's been a really, um, yeah, sport's been a, a massive, massive part of my life. And as I think about it, yeah, for um, my, the next generation, and I think yeah, it's so important to um, have access to team sport um, and and really find um, 
opportunity in that as well. And I think about the um, the friends I've made over in Ireland and England and India and that sort of thing through um, playing cricket either um, with them or against them. Yeah. Um, and they're people I'll have no doubt I'll keep in contact with and, and be you know, really good friends with for decades to come, not just years to come. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I can resonate with that too. I've, I've been fortunate enough to play in different parts of the world, and um, same deal. Some of my my best friends are uh, living in Ireland, living in England, and, and things like that. So, uh, cricket's a well. We can use cricket as an example. Um, it's a it's a great connector, isn't it? Really, it is. It really is. There's no um, no medium like cricket. I guess it. You know, a sport like that doesn't care what um, cultural background you're from. It doesn't care what socioeconomic status you're from um it's really about connecting over skills and a passion and an interest and i think that's the really important part that we often um often forget in club land yep um is that people really come along and stay connected because of the connections and um because of what they get out of it not necessarily just the physical activity and not just the um actual tangible um outcomes related to a specific sport or activity but it's all the other things on the peripheral that keep people coming back yeah um yeah it's the belonging the connection um the social value the banter all of those things Mm -hmm. and i think um perhaps not as well understood as as i think it needs to be in sport right across the sector yeah i think we've got some work to do in that space yeah definitely and cricket's probably a sport that that sort of leads to um, a lot of that, we'll call it social banter and um, that connection because, uh, let, let's be brutally honest, you you probably fail more in cricket than you succeed and <laughs> and you, you spend a lot of time sitting around with, with other uh, other people, you know. So um, you're either connecting and, and getting, you know, and, and being socially uh, active and, and, and all that sort of stuff or you just got to sit in a corner and, and not enjoy life really, aren't you? Think about your mistakes. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think you're right, Marazio. Um, there's a wonderful lady in Perth called Margie Oldfield, yep. and Margie started a, a project called we're, Team Connect. Yeah, we've had her, um, we've had her on the show before. So, we have, um, awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, Margie's, um, you know, talking to Margie about why cricket, and um, Margie's really strong um, reference to that is is because there is so much time involved. So you get to ride the ups, you get to ride the downs. Uh, but you're consistently around people for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go through a journey, unlike most other sports, like a footy or a soccer or a netball or whatever, where you come along and you're in and out within a couple of hours. Yep. Typically, cricket, you're there for half a day or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a real um, a real strong opportunity to build those connections and, and really um, yeah, be um, go on a journey, really, over yeah. the season. Um, and I, I really resonate with that as well because I think um, the, the, the amount of time you spend uh, with your fellow teammates and that sort of thing. Quite often in, in the average week, it's probably more than you'd spend with your family or partners or, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing as well. So um, good or bad, whichever <laughs> way you want to take that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of um, cricket widows out there, aren't there? Really, I know. I know my there, wife was one are. for a long time. She was a cricket widow for a long time. I don't, I don't play anymore, but um, yeah, she spent a lot of time on the sidelines or at home waiting for this cricket person to finally. Get home, and I'm sure you're, you're well aware of that yourself, Denver, with your cricketing yeah, background. Okay. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a it's a wonderful sport, but um, yeah, I, I think that's also a positive and a negative. I know I'm talking to a ex player, an ex teammate of mine, and um, his real strong um, his strong feeling around that was that his marriage was working because of cricket because he was out of the house for so long. So <laughs> it could be a positive thing too. <laughs> Funnily enough, I um I, I I've had two cracks at retiring, and, and the first time didn't last that long for for that reason. Um, so I, I decided not to play, and and I was home on a Saturday, and and I know my wife and I we'd we'd 
you know, not not argue, but we'd be picking at things here and there, and, and then she eventually just said, "Oh, for crying out loud, will you just go and play again? Like, you know, get out of the house." Yeah. And um, <laughs> I didn't realise that that's what it was. <laughs> it was the fact that yeah, um, yeah, that 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 Saturday became her her ritual as well as mine, and and she found yeah. her things to do and my things to do, and yeah, so I sort of went out and played yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that that's a really interesting point because, uh, you know, I've reflected over the last few years myself with um, my journey through cricket as well um, and talking to a lot of other players that I've played with and, and perhaps retired in the last sort of decade. Um, one of the key things that I've learned through cricket um, and probably every sport has the same thing is that when you walk away from something you've known all your life, it's actually a, um, there's, a there's various stages in that. Yeah. You know, you go through the morning, you go through this notion of, well, hang on, you know, my, my identity is so intrinsically linked in with that sport and being a cricketer or being a whatever you know, player, a footballer or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, what do you do next? How do you get around that? Um, and once again, I think it goes down to that notion of belonging and um, and, and really being someone as a result of a, um, a certain sport or an opportunity. Yep. Um, and I think that's something that we all go through when, when you think about walking away from whatever you've done for a long period of time. Um, I remember thinking on so many days, you know, I don't even know what people, the average person does on the weekend because I've <laughs> always just played cricket. Yeah. So you see, you see the um, cricket field all weekend, but the reality is, I think um, there's a, there's a really deep level of mourning at times um, if you're not used to it and if you haven't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And I really liken this to um, the notion of uh, retirement. You know, you've known something for thirty or forty years; it becomes part of everything that you do. Your weeks are structured around yep. um, what you do and that sort of thing. And typically for, for me, cricket was the exact same. So mm. walking away from that sport, which was you know, 20, 30, sometimes probably 40-hour um, pursuit, outside work, um, it really opens up a whole heap of things. Um, and they're not necessarily always positive either. You know, Idle time is um, and an idle mind is not necessarily a good thing either. So trying yeah. to work through that and make sure that you have um, – plenty in place before you do that because it is a transition and it is a stage of life that you need to be um, prepared for, I think. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So you're you're not playing anymore, are you, yourself? I, I'm playing a little bit, mate. Not yeah. not as much as I'd like to, um, but I'm, uh, I've walked away from Premier Cricket um, about three or four years ago. Yep. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm sort of playing in bits and pieces. So I've had one game this season, so not a whole heat, but I'm going to head down today. Our team are in the... Um, in the T20 um, semi-finals, so I'll be heading down to uh, give them a hand and, and help with their preparations and that sort of thing. Make sure all the boys are ready to go and primed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd like to play a bit more than I have been. But it's difficult in uh, in Perth at the moment with no family and that sort of thing as well. Yep. So it's, I feel a bit uh, unfair, you know, having worked all week and then <laughs> buggering off on the weekend as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely like getting down and uh, yeah, there's nothing. Um, Nothing like getting around the, the guys and uh, being in that sort of team environment and in the, the sheds after or before a game and yeah, going on that journey together. I really love that. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find um, this is probably a little bit of a we're going off topic a little bit, but um, that like cr- cricket is a game that that takes up a lot of time. Like uh, you need a lot of time to play the game, and there's there's a real growth in in not only T Twenty cricket but even. Um, some of the social leagues that are sort of popping up around, like there's um, last man standing and things like that. Do you see that yeah. as something that may start to sort of uh, take over a little bit moving forward, which is your view? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I used to work in cricket. I actually yeah. worked for the Wacker, as you know, um, shared a past employer. 
but I, I remember sitting in a um, in a room at the Wacker many years ago now, probably 2009, I think it might have been, um, and the, the notion of the Big Bash was being pitched, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, I wonder whether this will work. And at the time, because of um, the traditionalist attitude, I guess, I kept thinking, I just don't, I can't see how this is going to be as big as people think it might be. But you know, to to cricket's credit, the CA and uh, and the Wacker and all the states, I think they've done a fantastic job of actually re reinvigorating a product that was um, probably ripe for the picking yep. in many ways. Um, you know, had a, a, a really, um, I guess, cricket's a, a pretty um, pretty safe sport. It's it's always been fairly Anglo-Saxon that sort of thing in yeah. Australia. Um, it's been a little bit elitist because of you know the uh, the um, I guess the costs associated with it. Typically, fairly private school owned that sort of thing mm-hmm. in the bigger cities. Yep. However, I think what cricket and um, CA have done, cricket Australia have done in particular, has been um, to really take the back, um, take the sport back to uh, yeah the fundamentals and look at what elements of the product can be marketed in different ways to different audiences and that sort of thing. And now um, we're lucky enough to actually work with Cricket Australia at the moment on some of this. So it's great to see this um, firsthand um, you know, through the journey that we've got um, that Inclusion Solutions and Cricket Australia are on at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the biggest difference between now and when I worked um, solely in cricket in 2009, 2010 um, was that that notion where it's really now pitched at everyone in community. It's not an elitist sport for Anglo-Saxon men 15 to 45, um, whereas probably, you know, and I don't know about your feeling around this, but at one point in time, I probably felt like the sport was that. Um, yeah. However, it's, you know, now it's such a diverse sport where you've got um, such a huge focus on women playing. You've got a, a huge focus on minority groups, people with disabilities, the Aboriginal population, um, so it's really, really brilliant to see that journey um, and, and that journey sort of really um, embraced by community as well. I think community were probably ready for that mm-hmm. um, and it's brilliant for cricket to, to lead the way. And I really think cricket are doing this as well as any sport in uh, in the land. So yeah. it's well, great. Yeah. Well, cricket's got many arms to it, hasn't it? Like the, the fact that um, even before, I guess, all the work in um, diversifying um, their their, their – um, their captured audience, if you want to call it that, um, had different formats, for instance. So you had one-day cricket, two-day cricket, test cricket, all that sort of stuff. So you had different um, areas you could jump in depending on how you wanted to play. And now that's grown even more. So not only is it that, not only the different formats, but there's also um, different groups, I guess, if you want to call it that. So, um, yes, there are many more opportunities for, for females to play. There are many more opportunities for the Indigenous population to play, people with a disability, the um, it's a it's a bad term, but I guess the the minority ethnic groups, I guess um, you know you've got so many people that have come out from different countries, and and cricket is, is a big part of their life, and they've brought that with them, they've brought that passion with them, and they just they just want to play, Definitely. like yeah. going out to see. Yeah. You drive anywhere in in Perth, I mean anywhere in Australia really, but if you use Perth as an as an example, you drive out anywhere. If there's a cricket pitch somewhere, there's a game being played, and they're not necessarily organised games, but I tell you what, they're um, they're they're heated games, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, well, I think I think you're totally right. And um, Cricket Victoria, um, and I know the Wacker are doing some great work in this space as well, really around it, making sure that those people um, and the groups and communities that are getting together to play cricket are able to still be supported, even though it might not be a formalised structure of yep. part of a, an association and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of work even in that space where um, cricket's been far more responsive than a lot of other sports. Um, to engage and and I think yeah the the um, term you use the minority groups um, I think 
what we typically used to see as minority groups. Um, when you start thinking about all of those groups in uh, you know, in, in together into that pool, you can't actually um, afford to neglect them because they start becoming a majority pretty yeah, quickly. When yeah. you start thinking people with disability, there you've got 20% or thereabouts. Um, you start thinking about women. Well, yeah. there's 50%. Yeah. You know, but that typically that's they're not they're not minority or, groups. They're, yeah, they're, uh, correct. Yeah, they're, they're huge um, cohorts. And and I guess the other thing is that they're cohorts of people that add a lot of value to community. Yeah. So can the sport? Can any sport, irrespective of who you are, afford to lock those groups out? I'd argue very, very strongly on the work that we do. Absolutely not. And um, yeah, I think there's some so, so many tangible benefits to um, ensuring that all of those groups are embedded, welcomed, and really feel a strong sense of belonging to community. Definitely. Definitely. So that's a great little segue into, um, you know, your work with Inclusion Solutions. For those that aren't, I mean, you know, we've, we've sort of uh, tipped into it a little bit here and there, but what, what if you're going to sort of uh, have two sentences that sort of describe Inclusion Solutions, what what is it? Yeah, great. Um, so Inclusion Solutions is a not-for-profit organisation that is really interested in building community across Australia. So building the types of community that no one is excluded in, building the types of community where everyone is valued in and really um, fosters a strong sense of belonging. So the, the vehicles we typically use are sport and recreation because mm-hmm. they're such powerful vehicles for all the reasons we've already discussed, Arazio. Yep. Um, but it's really u- utilising anything, any... Um, uh, any opportunity, I guess, in terms of community, any type of community. So it might be a darts club, a chess club, it could be a, a cricket club, it could be a belly dancing group, whatever it is. Anywhere where people get together to mm-hmm. share community um, and ensuring that they um, those opportunities are made available to everyone in, in the local community wherever required. So we do a lot of work in the, in the sport and recreation um, space, typically around mentoring and educating and training and supporting mm-hmm. um, community groups to be inclusive. Yep. Um, and for, from our point of view, it's really powerful work because what that leads to is um, cultural shifts and, and a, a stronger sense of belonging for all, all the people in um, those minority groups that we discussed as well. So I guess in a nutshell, um, what we are is a, a, an organisation that supports the development of inclusive communities right across Australia. Yeah, so you're, you're facilitators really, aren't you? Yeah, we don't. So we don't run any sport or recreation, and that's probably a really typical, a really good, strong point to make as well. Is um, you know, many organisations will run sport or recreation. Um, from mm-hmm. our point of view, we've got a really strong um, belief that sport should run sport always. Yep. Um, however, I guess the uh, the way we go about that is to work with clubs, work with your state sporting associations, work with local governments. Um, and then work with people who are also um, fundamentally helping those individuals like club development officers and community yep. development officers and mm. um, that sort of thing to make sure that every club anywhere in the land is as inclusive as they can be. Um, so our role is really to capacity build mm-hmm. um, and really practically support um, the sport and rec sector to be strong into the future. Yep. And, and look, so we're probably real- more so than ever now too. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Um, Not at all. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in challenging times and I, and I guess we probably haven't seen the brunt of it really over here, but um, I, I don't know how everyone's feeling going, you know, dealing with a pandemic at the moment. The, the community club or the community club as a hub um, is probably even more important than ever, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about um, where society is at, you know, we've got far less people in our friendship networks now than we did in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. We're dealing with actually the bigger pandemic and really globally prior to COVID was the, the pandemic of loneliness. Yeah. Um, so you're, t- you're talking about people 
in their droves that are not belonging and not um, finding value in, in society. You've got mental health um, crisis really right across the globe that's mm-hmm. happening at the moment. Yep. So when you start thinking about the work, it's actually not necessarily about sport or recreation at all, irrespective of what sport or what club people are, um, are, are part of. But the bigger thing we're trying to really um, address here is that notion of loneliness and belonging and make sure that people can be um, valued for who they are. So not looking at the barrier, not looking at the, the point of difference, which typically tends to happen in, in programs, I guess, for mm-hmm. minority groups. What we're really saying is don't look at that and look at what people bring to the party because uh, once you look at the value and the social value that individuals bring, all the other stuff actually dissipates right into the background. It becomes irrelevant whether you have a disability or whether you're from an Aboriginal background or like me, whether you're Anglo-Indian, Portuguese-Indian background. That's actually not the important part. It's more what you can do and how you get involved and um, what value you offer the community. So um, I think that notion of um, loneliness is incredibly important statistics are absolutely damning and when you start looking around you start thinking you know the uk has just launched um, a minister for loneliness Um, i believe to this day the only australian jurisdiction um, to have something similar um, is the act where andrew barr has uh, had the portfolio for social inclusion at a ministerial level so when you start looking at these sort of things um, yeah, there's, there's, there's communities that are really thinking about um, the, the importance of social inclusion and um, mm-hmm. and its impact long term. Um, and really, what we're talking about is how do we connect communities um, and how do we build the, the fabric of communities so that uh, individuals living in within any community um, you know, are supported. And how, it's really around that notion of wrapping community around the most vulnerable. Um, I remember one of the things my father always said to me was. You know, we've got to think about communities um, and think about societies as um, their, their social, their values should be placed on how they deal with their most vulnerable people. Um, and that probably, as a youngster, has never really left me. And the more I think about it and the more I work in this space, it, um, it really highlights that notion where, yeah, for a lot of people for a long time in Australia and in other cultures as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they've been locked out of community. So what can we do now to actively address that? And I think you're right in saying the pandemic has really brought that to the forefront. So I think COVID, while it's been incredibly destructive on a number of um, number of areas, mm-hmm. um, it's done a lot of really good things as well, which is it's made us stop and think about yeah, you know, what's important in life. Um, Definitely. And it's made us think about how we work, what we do, um, but also what we're trying to achieve in our lifetimes. And yeah. I think that's really important as well. And I know now, you know, we had a social inclusion forum on Wednesday and I spoke about my neighbourhood. Um, and I'm standing out in front of my porch at the moment and I feel like this is one of my favourite places on earth anywhere because not necessarily about the location or anything like that, but it's because of the connection I feel like I have to my neighbours and, yeah. um, and to the community around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got people in our neighbourhood that will come to the party for whatever you need, whenever you need, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. We're, you know, it, it, it feels incredibly socially connected. But three years ago, four years ago, before we moved here, we only lived up the road, and I felt absolutely no connection to my neighbours. Yep. Um, multiple efforts to reach out to them, say day, put on a street party, that sort of thing, and they just... It, it was Didn't really work. difficult in that mm-hmm. particular um, in that particular part of the same suburb we live in now. Yep. But right, yeah, I think that notion now, where I think there's nothing that I need um, in my neighbourhood that I couldn't go to someone and say, "Hey, could you help me with this?" And even last week, as an example, uh, a panel of our new fence blew over, um, and I had two or three neighbours offer to assist as soon as they heard about it. You know, at in, at nine o'clock at night, yep. one person's coming over to help me put it back up so the dog doesn't get out. 
Yeah. Um, those sort of things, I think, um, sport and recreation needs to understand, I think, across the sector, how important it is to develop community first <laughs> and, and the sport, the, the, um, the smaller things to do with the specific sport will fix themselves and address themselves in time. Yeah. And, and it sounds like a country sports club, doesn't it? I mean, your, your typical country sports club sort of probably deals with that stuff a little bit better than um, a metro club does. And that's probably got to do with the demographic, I guess. But that, that whole sense of community you see, uh, we'll use footy as an example, you know, the, the, the country footy team. Yeah. Um, it's nearly everything, isn't it, for the small community? It is. Um, yeah, community operates right around it, doesn't it? It's, yeah. um, it's integral and it's a, it's a cornerstone to a community. Yep. Yeah. So it's the sort of thing we want to see a bit more of. Look, mate, this has been fantastic chat. Now, I know you've got things to do today. You said you've got your cricket to do. So just before we go, I have this little thing called speed round I do with everyone. So it's just five quick questions. You've got to answer them as quick as you can. Okay. Yep. So uh, question number one, most famous person you've met? Most famous person I've met? Um, putting me right on, on the spot. <laughs> but, uh, rather than most famous person, can I say the person I like the most? Okay. Same thing. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, or, or my childhood hero was Kirtley Ambrose, and, uh, and I loved, yeah, I absolutely loved everything about Kirtley Ambrose. So I'll, I'll say Kirtley on this one. Okay, and you literally looked up to him, didn't you? <laughs> I, did, I did, absolutely right. He's a yeah, tall yeah. man. <laughs> he is. Yeah, um, he's a wonderful human. Yeah. Your favourite sporting moment? Favourite sporting moment? Um, um, pro- it was actually probably losing a grand final with a team of individuals that I just felt like they were my brothers. Um, so 2005 grand final in Canberra and we lost, um, I was playing for ANU Cricket Club mm-hmm. um, and we actually lost the grand final after th- at the end of a three-day um, three grand final, literally in the last over after winning first innings points against Western Creek. hurts me to say that, but um, I think what that season taught me and... Um, and that particular game taught me was that you know the importance of uh, of, of brotherhood and friendships and uh, all of those individuals I'm still in contact yep. with in various ways. Okay, well that yeah, learning through adversity, I guess, which is which is great. And grand finals, they do hurt. They do hurt losing. They, grand do, they do. I might actually add one more in that is winning the All Ireland final. That was a fantastic moment over in Ireland in 2008. Um, with a team of just brilliant cricketers and brilliant mm-hmm. men. So, yeah, I think that's probably my second one. <laughs> You've probably answered this one, but I wasn't sure. To, anyway, your favourite sport? I mean, is, is it cricket or is it... The... Oh, it has, it has yeah. to be. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> to, um, hard to go past the uh, the best sport around. So, yeah, cricket for sure. <laughs> okay. Now, you've, you've lived both, East Coast or West Coast? Sorry, say that again? You've lived in both, the East Coast or the West oh. Coast, so... Oh, very easy one. West Coast every day of the week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I love both, and um, and they're very different. But um, WA is just—it's it, paradise, and I've always thought so. <laughs> and the final one, I asked this to every single person, and I've had the same answer all the time: pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Yep. Now again, that's another yep. yes. I, I've had no nos, and which is amazing because um, if you look online, you'd think it's 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 poison, but um. Everyone I've asked is happy to have pineapple on their pizza. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I'm in the club. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Well, look, it's been fantastic to chat to you today. I really appreciate your time today, and um, look, I'd love to have you back on the show at another stage uh, soon. So, thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thank you, Razia, and thanks, listeners. All the best for your weekend. Okay, thank you. That was Denver DeCruz, uh, General Manager of Inclusion Solutions, and look, literally all-round good bloke. Uh, it is now 9.28 here on Inspire Radio, and we're going to um, go to uh, a few songs and a few ads as well. I'm remembering our um, sponsors are very, very important to the, to the station, and we're going to go a bit old school here. Come on, feel the noise by Quiet Riot. 
For the community, Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. It was so stressful trying to find tiles and bathroom stuff for my renovations. I'm sick of going from shop to shop. It's just so confusing and expensive. You should go to Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham. They have everything you need. Tiles, toilets, vanities, showers, tapware and more. All under one roof with ranges to suit every budget. See the team at Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms in Rockingham today and let's get started. Ceramico Tiles and Bathrooms, 3 to 9 Enterprise Way in Rockingham. Hey Gabby, did you know that you could win a new car at Anytime Fitness Divers? You mean I get to keep fit and I could win a car? Yep. All you need to do is join Anytime Fitness Divers in October or November 2020 and you'll receive an entry to win a new Kia Picanto thanks to Morley Kia. That's so amazing! Plus, receive an extra entry for every friend you refer who joins before November 30, even if you're an existing member. Wow, there's so many chances to win! So get down to Anytime Fitness Divers for your chance to win a new Kia Picanto. Anytime Fitness Divers. It's more than just a gym. United Cinemas Rockingham Outdoor Cinema is now open. Fun for everyone, so bring the family along and enjoy a warm night under the stars. Tickets are just $8 each for grass seating or $12 for our reclining deck chairs. For session times, please visit unitedcinemas.com.au. My name's Mark McGowan and you are listening to Inspire Radio. 9.39 here on Inspire Radio. You're on Talking Sport with Orazio. Look, we've had another fantastic show today. Um, earlier on, we spoke with Steve Broberg, head coach of Prospect Cricket Club in the Premier competition in South Australia. And we spoke all things cricket, um, spoke about how things are going over there with uh, their... You know, they've just come back to playing after having a bit of a lockdown through to some issues with COVID. Um, we've spoken about um, English Premier League. We've spoken a little bit of rugby. Uh, and then we've just had a, a fantastic chat with Denver De Cruz, who is general manager, who is general manager of um, local not-for-profit organisation, Inclusion Solutions. So we spoke about his journey in sport, um, coming over to Australia from um, southern India as a 10-year-old and his journey into um, I guess Australian society using sport as a vehicle and in his work with Inclusion Solutions. So thanks a lot, Denver, to coming on board. That was a great little chat there. Look, there's a lot happening here at Inspire Radio. We had a great day yesterday at um, Bunnings at Rockingham where we ran the sausage sizzle there and we had a successful day dealing with all the elements. Um, Rockingham being what it is, very windy and it's a little bit of a channel that goes through the car park there. So um, at different times we've had the, the crew literally holding on to the, um, the, the gazebos before they flew away, but very, very busy and um, very well supported. So thank you to everyone that came out yesterday, had a chat to us at the stall and um, who obviously bought one of the famous Bunnings sausages. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of an Aussie tradition, isn't it? Just like cricket and the summer. Okay, what have we got coming up on Inspire Radio? We've got a lot. So on the 9th of December, we've got Dungeons and Dragons happening here uh, from 6.30 here at Inspire Radio 10 Leghorn Street in Rockingham. Um, for more details, get online, inspireradio.org.au. On the 12th of December, the Inspire crew will be broadcasting live from the Medina Markets. Uh, fantastic. We love getting out in the community and um, 
sort of highlighting the great stuff that we do. So get on board there. Medina Markets on the 12th of December will be broadcasting live on the 13th of December. We're out and about again. The Inspire Crew will be broadcasting live from Wellard Hall in Casarina for Invisible Illnesses Markets. On the 15th and 16th of December, Passionate Lives, um, proud partner of Inspire Radio, will be running a mental health Thursday training course at the platform Adelaide Terrace from nine o'clock so again for details inspireradio.org.au on the 18th of December we're out and about again we're at the Quinana Marketplace live from 9am Inspire crew will be broadcasting live we'll have some live entertainment um, and you'll get to meet the crew and hey you can even be part of the radio show as well so then the 18th of December Quinana Marketplace in the lead up to Christmas. That's when it all gets exciting, doesn't it? Shopping centres are packed and people are doing their last minute Christmas shopping, etc. So get on board and come down to Quinana Marketplace on the 18th. And then on the 19th of December, Inspire Radio will host our very first Christmas market here at 10 Leghorn Street in Rockingham. Um, the big fellow in the red suit will be here. There'll be some face painting, lots of gift ideas. Etc. So come down and join the fun on the 19th of December here at Inspire Radio. Jump on our um, Inspire Radio Facebook page for further details, but come along 10 Leghorn Street, Rockingham on the 19th of December. Join in the fun, some last minute opportunity for some last minute Christmas shopping and just all around fun. Like I said, the big, the big fella in the red suit will be here. Uh, get the kids along and, and let them have join in the fun. But what else have we got happening here? Well, Mondays, we've got Joel's breakfast show, 6 till 9. So uh, he'll get you up and about on a Monday morning, clearing the sleep out of the eyes and play some great tunes. From 9 till 12, we have the dynamic duo, Gabby and Rhea, keeping it real. At uh, 12 till 3, we've got Robert on the show. And then from 3 till 6, drive time, Andy and Sticks will be rocking you home. And he'll be followed, though they'll be followed, from 6 till 9 by Good Folk Programming with Brendan Matthews. On Tuesdays, we have Josh. He's in there with a bit of fun from 9 till 12 on a Tuesday. 12 till 3, we have Ask Dr. Sammy. Very, very popular segment. Talking all things medical there with Ask Dr. Sammy. Um, 3 till 6, the dynamic duo that is known as Rusty and Dusty. They'll be driving you home from 3 till 6. Lots of fun and games there, as well as playing some Awesome tunes. And then every second week, we have Joel's Open Mic, which is a great opportunity for um, local talent to uh, to ply their trade and, and, and you know, get out there and, and show the world what you've got. Wednesdays, 9 till 12, keep it real with Gabby, where she fun and games with Gabby and has some great interviews and plays some great tunes. 3 till 6 on a Wednesday, driving you home will be Joel playing some of his great tunes, bit of a local muso Joel, so look out for him. Um, you can follow him online on Facebook as well. There's some great stuff. On Thursdays, we have from 9 till 12, station manager Tris has his show, Tris's morning show, and then from 12 till 3 on a Thursday, my lovely wife Miranda with her art show, all things arts, and there's a lot, lot of things happening here, so um, stay tuned for what's happening there. I know for a fact she's got a radio play coming up, so... Uh, look out for that. Three till six, driving you home will be rusty and dusty yet again with their mad antics. And six till nine, we have tween talk. Okay, so some some of the local teenagers come in and, and take over the show. On Fridays from nine till 12, Tris has his morning show again. And then we have AMAC on Friday from 12 till three, new show. We're having more and more new people on the show all the time, which is fantastic. Three till six, driving you home will be Andy and Sticks and then 
Danike or TGIF. Thank God it's Friday with her fantastic show with some pumping tunes. Really getting the boogie on and getting you into your weekend. Saturday mornings, 9 till 12. The show with no name with Megan and April. I have lots of fun on the show. They do. Josh is back in from 12 till 3 on a Saturday afternoon. And then Dennis and his local legends, 3 till 6 on a Saturday afternoon. Sunday mornings, you've got me. Remember, talking sport with Abrazia from 7 till 10 every morning. Sorry, again, I've said it again. Every Sunday morning. Hey, if I could, I'd do every morning. Not a problem. Okay, how, do you, how can you be part of this show? would love you to be part of the show. I'd love you to be part of any show. So with this particular show, Talking Sport with the Ratio, you've got a sports story to tell. Do you want to come in and, and have your go of being a radio jock on a Sunday morning and, and promote your sporting club or what's happening with your sport out there? Please feel free. Contact me, Talking Sport. Talking sport at inspireradio.org.au. Talking sport at inspireradio.org.au. Or you can just drop me a message on the Facebook page, Talking Sport with Orazio. Look it up. If you want to participate in the show at any stage live, you've got a, a song you want to play, etc., live at inspireradio.org.au. And that counts for any of the shows. If you want to jump on live, um, live at inspireradio.org.au. Okay, um, time for one more song before we come back and uh, wrap up yet another busy show of Talking Sport with Orazio. So we're going to have a little bit of the clash, should I stay or should I go? For the community, Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. For the community, Inspire Radio. 9.59 actually here on Inspire Radio in the last minute or so of the show, Talking Sport with Orazio, and that's me, Orazio. Um, we just had Hot Chili Woman from Noiseworks, and we finished with Here I Go Again, White Snake. Um, one of my uh, teenage go-to songs, definitely, White Snake, was one of the... Uh, one of my favourite albums that, that I had and uh, was a big White Snake fan back in the day. And I did promise to rock your Sunday and that I definitely did. We've had loads of rock songs sort of to get you up and about on this Sunday morning. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, thanks to my guests, Steve Broberg and Denver DeCruz. And remember to tune in again next Sunday from 7 till 10. Remember, you can get in contact with me at any time, talkingsport at inspireradio.org.au or on the Talking Sport with Orazio Facebook page. Drop me a line if there's anything you want uh, or do you want to be part of the show, please let me know. For the community, Inspire Radio.